Well, hey everyone, this is Dave DeBow with another episode of the Property Profits Real Estate Podcast. Today, it is my pleasure to be interviewing Steve Rosenberg all the way from Houston, Texas. How are you doing today, Steve? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. So if you haven't heard or seen one of Steve's numerous podcasts or seen him on stage or read one of his eBooks, uh, Steve's an interesting guy. He's a professional pilot by trade. 9-11 kind of shook the world up, shook the world up for him as well. And he had to take a relook at things and he got into real estate investing. He's done a lot with real estate investing. He's done hundreds of transactions. He's done single families. He's done multifamilies. He's done flips, done property management, written books, taught people, trained folks, you name it. Steve, you're a busy, busy guy and you're still flying planes if I understand correctly. I am. I still am employed by an airline and I still fly actually. Very good. So Steve, why don't you tell us, take us back to pre 9-11 and then that whole disaster, that tragedy that happened and, and how that shook your world and how you got into real estate investing. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, like everybody that, that wanted to do a job or a career, I, I was a young kid growing up and I wanted to fly airplanes. Got hired at a young age with an airline and was flying for them and had the best job in the world in my mind. I was flying 737s all over the, the US and South America, Asia. And up until September 10th, I thought I had the best job in the world, most safest, secure job, an airline pilot. I'm good. I was hired at 25 years old. And then 9-11 hit, obviously, tragedy yeah. you know, on, on multiple levels. But for me, the biggest shock and awe day was September 13th. And the reason I say that was September 13th, was the day that I got delivered my furlough notice. So the safe, secure job that I thought I had on September 10th, within 72 hours, basically dissolved. And it went from, I've got the best job in the world to, we don't even know if this industry is going to exist. And really, we don't even know if we need you anymore. So just in case, we're going to give you a 90-day furlough notice, and we'll let you know if we're going to exercise that or not, because you're really not important to us as you may think you are. Wow. So, you know, in other industries, when you see an industry changing, even the tech industry with a bubble bursting, it's a lot slower than a 72-hour ripping off of the Band-Aid. Yeah, for sure. And of course, all the other tragedy that was going on during that time frame of 9-11, you know, this was, I don't want to say inconsequential, but the world is going through a much tougher time. But it made me realize, essentially, was that safe, secure job that I thought I had was not safe and secure. It was anything but. Mm. And what it did is it made me realize essentially was that I need to, I love flying. I would never give it up. I still fly for an airline and I love it. But I also realized that I cannot let someone else or something else be in charge of my destiny and not be in control of my own future and my finances. Just because I'm employed by someone doesn't mean that they're responsible to take care of me, which is a different way of thinking than I grew up. And so I had to learn and I learned about real estate because it just seemed like that's where everyone that had some form of wealth seemed to tie back to. And so I just, I consumed as much as I could. I read books. I went to seminars. I really wanted to learn about this. And I was kind of under the gun, so to speak, because I had a potential furlough that was coming and I needed to be able to support my family. Yeah. And so I started learning about wholesaling and flipping and kind of segued in through that, kind of the touching your toe in the water, so to speak. And so that's kind of how I got into real estate originally was doing wholesaling and flipping. 
did very well at it. I learned how to negotiate. I took a lot of classes on communication and, and talking and learning how to negotiate contracts and such and ended up doing so well that I made enough money, joined into a partnership of an apartment complex. They did have syndications back then, but it was an apartment complex and kind of hit the road from there and just kind of kept going. Yeah. So let's, let's take a look at that. So you got started with the, the wholesaling, the creative type stuff. Then you got into multifamily properties. So let's take it from there. When it comes to real estate investing, what's your main focus these days? Well, we got out of the apartment complex. We sold it during right when the crash was happening and we started getting into single family buy and hold. And that was kind of our kryptonite, I guess you could say, because when you come off of owning an apartment complex, you think that you're the smartest guy in the world and nothing can go wrong because we just owned an apartment building and sold it very well. And so we started buying these single family homes and these were low income properties, Mm. high cash flow. The low income part was right. High cash flow never seemed to materialize. And so basically we bought about 20 of them inside of a year. And then we realized what it was like to have tenants calling, them not paying their rent. Our average vacancy was about eight months. Our average make ready cost was three times the amount because every time they would leave, they like to take a lot of parting gifts with them, like wiring and electrical and stuff like that. So we really, I mean, we were in a bad way in about a year and a half, two years. So me and my business partner, like any two intelligent guys would do, we bought another 15 because we didn't have enough pain at 20. So we thought, let's buy some more. And we thought, well, we're halfway through the mountain. Let's push through. We'll fix this. And it was literally like gasoline on a fire exploding in our faces. And we could not for the life of us understand why our plan wasn't working. And I tell this story. It's funny. My wife finally said, you suck at buying houses. You need to stop buying houses because you don't know what you're doing. And I thought, if I get another more, I can fix this. I can, I can fix the situation. She said, you buy another one, it better be nice because you're going to be living in it because wow. you, you do not know what you're doing and you need to stop. And, and so finally we did, we stopped and uh, we basically essentially realized we need, it was a business, but we were not running it like a business. And so then we turned around and we, we basically plumbed the infrastructure of a management company purely for self-preservation. That was it. Nothing more than preservation of our own. They stabilized. They never actually made us money, but we learned how to start running a business The smartest thing we ever did was we got a business coach and basically hired a business coach to guide us. Business coach was with us for the full time that we had our company. We grew our management company. At that time, we formed a company, started managing other people's assets, grew it to about a thousand properties in seven years, all through organic growth, and learned the fundamentals of a business, sales, marketing, accounting, you know, you name it, HR. (laughs) everything that goes along with running a company. And then we recently, we took that company and we merged with a larger property management company called Mind Property Management. And so the, the, the story keeps evolving as we go. So it's been a very wild ride. I've, I've written books, I authored a book. I get the opportunity to speak around the world on property management and investing, spoke at bigger pockets conferences and that kind of stuff. And I've been very, very fortunate and I believe that the biggest reason is, is because I've learned that this is a business and I've learned, I learned the hard way by getting taken advantage of, lost a lot of money, all those things. But I don't think if, if I had not done that and learned those valuable lessons, I don't think I would be here today. 
Well, I was looking at your website before we jumped on the call, and I think, remind me, the title of your latest book is really, it's, it, it's a good title. What's your newest book called? It's called Failing Our Way to Millions, Building an Empire. Beautiful. That's a beautiful title. Because <laughs> so many people, myself included at, at different times, are so freaked out about failure. Yes. That, you know, so many people don't take action. We were talking a little bit off camera as well that a big, a big thing that you like to talk about and, and teach people about is the whole mindset thing yes. when it comes to real estate investing. So why don't we kind of go along that path, if you wish, sure. because I think that's where Yeah, absolutely. Going. Yeah. And I think that, you know, the, a lot of people always want to know the how, right? Everybody wants to know, how do you do something? How, how do you get a deal? I think it's more important to ask yourself the why. Mm-hmm. And nobody really takes the time to ask themselves. And, and I was the same person, which I think is why I'm so passionate about this, that people never really sit back and say, why am I doing this? And they never set a goal, an end destination or a North Star. And they never really think about what it is that is the reason they are actually buying deals. What is their goal that they want to go to? And then the strategy. And you know, we all have this doubt and this negative self-talk and things that go on in our brains. I think the biggest challenge is the great thing about real estate is there's no rules. You can flip, you can wholesale, syndicate, you could do whatever you want, right? Mm-hmm. That's the great thing. The bad thing is there's no rules. You can flip, you can wholesale, you can do whatever you want. Options, right? There's too many choices sometimes. It's like, yeah, it's like going, I tell people, it's like going to the Cheesecake Factory and you look at the menu and it's 50 pages and you're like, I don't know what to get. I think I want to leave, you know? And so the challenge is, is I think everybody is when they get into real estate, they're waiting for someone to give them that advice. They're waiting for that one word or phrase of advice. And I tell people that doesn't exist. You being successful is made up of a lot of good decisions, not one great decision. So there's not one great thing that you're going to do today. That's going to get you across the goal line. It's a matter of doing things good consistently. And it's not perfection, it's persistence. And I've learned that myself. And, you know, we're all going to have bad days. We're all going to doubt ourselves. We're all going to make mistakes. And it's just a matter of just getting back up. And, you know, I think a lot of people have this illusion of balance. You know, I think balance is, is a very misused term because I don't think there's such thing as balance. I think there's balance and counterbalance. Yeah. And I think you got to go one way and go to the other. And a lot of people want to live this life, this illusionary life of investing that they're not going to do anything and they're going to get passive income and it's going to be so easy and we're all going to be sitting on the beach and we're going to be laughing and joking as we get on the yacht because we're making all this cash flow. And that's just not reality. And I think it's because a lot of them were sold on an idea from a salesperson who was selling the course. And I think that's the biggest challenge that I try to impart upon people that that's not reality. Reality is what you wake up in every day. So what I want to ask you there, Steve, because again, you know, a lot of us have heard, you really have to figure out what is your why when you get into, well, pretty much any, any endeavor. But a lot of times I don't hear people saying, here's how you find out what your why really is. Yeah. Do you have any tips or tricks or strategies for people to really figure out what the hell it is, why they want to do this? Because just get rich is isn't yeah. going to allow you that persistence, right? I know a lot. I'm sure you do. And I know a lot of rich people that are miserable. Yeah. You know, I, I use the guns and roses theory. Guns and roses was making more money than anyone on earth. And they broke up. Yeah. So they, it's not money, right? And so I like your taste in music too, man. Oh, thank you. 
So what I tell people is I say, you know, and I help a lot of people and a lot of people I just, you know, I give advice to and I tell them what you need to do is two things. You need to figure out what does your life look like as a result of owning real estate? What does it look like? Is it, it's not money, right? It's, it's what the illusion of that money gives you. It's the safety and security. That money is giving you something. And why are you doing it? Meaning, are you doing it to pass down to your children? Are you doing it to live off the cash flow? Are you doing it to say that you've got 100 million in assets? What is the reason? And the second most important thing you have to do, which may supersede, you have to align with your family, with your wife, with your children, and make sure that everyone, you know, if you say my end destination is Disneyland, and your wife thinks that you're going to Magic Mountain, you say, hey, we're going to the amusement park. And they're going, yeah, but I'm going here. You're going there. We're going to different destinations. And one of the things I got pretty well known for is my son, he's 16 now, but when he was 14, he bought his first rental property. Nice. And what's funny is a lot of people would come to me and they go, well, how does a kid get a loan? And how, how can he buy our property? And I said, you know, you're asking the wrong question. You should be asking why did he come up to me and say, dad, I want to own a rental property. The how is anybody can figure out how do we get to the moon? First, they figured out they wanted to go. Why do they want to go to the moon? And then they figured out the how. And it's the same thing. It's, you know, people get so focused to shoot holes in theories. Everybody has their moon, right? Everybody has their end destination, but you've got to make sure that you can clearly identify it. And I, and I talk to people when I, when I speak, I say, raise your hand if you know your goals and, you know, half people raise their hand and go, okay, keep your hand up if it's written down. And then about, you know, three quarters of that. Now keep your hand up if you've aligned with your spouse and your children and everyone is going to the moon. Mm. <laughs> there may be one person. So that just tells me that there's a disconnect in what we're selling or telling and what people are buying. You people are buying, you know, I've always heard that people buy to fix problems. Businesses sell solutions and they're normally not aligned. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the biggest challenge I think that's out there is, you know, we're, we're just... The goal setting, you know, everyone hears the why and the goal and all those fancy terms. And and I'm not a guru on this. I'm not a motivation guy. I'm just someone who was in the heat of battle going, you know what? It can be done. You know, I I do it. I've got a job. I've got a career. I fly for an airline and I built a company successfully, built it up, sold it. I own a lot of real estate. You just have to say, what is my goal? You know, and if, if somebody said my goal is not to own any real estate, I'd say, well, then why are you listening to me? I'm not the guy, you know? Listen to someone else. So a follow-up question for you, Steve, then, because when you're working with people, I've seen this. I experienced this myself in my previous marriage. What if you're not on the same page as your spouse? Do you have any suggestions on how to how to get that alignment actually happening? Have you, have you helped people through that? I have not. So I'll, I'll disclose that. But what I would say, and it's tough, right? Because, you know, you may be out there, you go to a seminar and you come home and you're telling your wife, we're doing this and we're doing this. And she's going, oh my God, here we go again. Another three weeks of him going crazy till he stops doing it again, right? And then he'll, and you know, and you got all these notes and you're, you know, you're making post-its all over the house and, you know, saying mantras and sayings and stuff. And I think the challenge is, is, you know, you don't actually sit down and have a conversation like, okay, well, what do we want? And, right. and I don't think it's a one and done. I think it's something that you have to constantly revise and revamp because life happens, change happens. And you can't assume that what you set off on the course five years ago is still the same course. And that person is still aligned. So, you know, when we were coached by our business coach, one of the things we had to do every year is we had to go in for an alignment with our wives, me and my business partner, kind of, 
for the business and say, okay, are we, you know, do you understand what these guys are doing? Do you understand where they're going, where their destination is? You know, do you agree? Do you not agree? And this is where we'd have these conversations, which were very helpful because, you know, me and my business partner are kind of sitting there, you know, and the coach is talking to them. Right. And we include them in the, you know, we would, with our business, we would do board of directors meetings every quarter. Why? Because we're a business and they're, they're the board. And so I would suggest that it's a matter of not having this huge one weekend in five year conversation. I think it's a continual show them the finances every month, do a board of directors meeting. It's a business, right? If you're having finances, your finances are a business, treat it like a business. Don't treat it like an emotional thing that you're hiding from someone and include your children, include your loved ones, whoever they are, bring them in so that they see the vision and so that they buy into where you're going, because if not, you're going to Disneyland and they're going to Magic Mountain and you guys are going to be in and different happens. Yeah, exactly. It, it happens all the time. Dave, that is excellent advice, my friend. Thank you very much. Time flies when we're doing a quick interview, that's for sure. If people want to find out more about you, what you're up to, maybe get a hold of one of your books, what should they do? Sure. They can go to my website at steverosenberg.com. They can also find me on mind.co, M-Y-N-D.co, which is mind property management. And they can find me on Instagram, Rosenberg Steve with a Z, R-O-Z-E-N-B-E-R-G, or Steve Rosenberg on Facebook. And I'm, you look me up and you'll find me. I'm out there doing a lot of stuff. Excellent. Very good. Thank you very much for your insights and your wisdom. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, everybody. Take care. and We'll see you on the next episode. Bye-bye. Well, thanks very much for checking out the Property Profits podcast. If you like what we're doing here, please head on over to iTunes, subscribe, rate us, and leave us a review. We very, very much appreciate it. And if you're looking to create a regular flow of inbound investor inquiries about your real estate deals, then I invite you to attend one of my upcoming live online demonstrations. And you can check that out at investorattractiondemo.com. Take care.